0: So Pepperlane was born with the idea to give an opportunity to women, specifically mothers, to find alternatives to make an income based on their terms, to design their jobs around motherhood and not the other way around. The more we're going to see mothers feeling comfortable in their own skin and launching businesses, the more corporations will come in and understand. Oh, wow! Workforce transformation a future
1: of work where individuals are owners of their own career. Companies buying work outcomes, not employees, on the open market. Welcome to State of Independence, the podcast about how independent work has completely transformed the U.S. economy and how you can take advantage of it. I'm your host, Asya Haq, Vice President of Talent Marketing at MBO Partners. Today, I will speak with Sharon Khan, co-founder and CEO of Pepper Lane, the community platform for entrepreneurs who are also mothers. We will talk about how most professional gender gaps are motherhood gaps and the role that independent work plays in closing them. Sharon, it is so wonderful to connect with you and to be able to share your very, very inspiring career journey with our audience for State of Independence. So welcome.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Sharon, we like to ask guests about
1: where they were 10 years ago today, as we are at the 10th anniversary of our State of Independence
0: Survey. Wait, so let's do the math. 10 years. So, 2011, I was in Barnes and Noble. You know, I sold my company in 2009, and I was part of a team that together we built the Nook and you know my job was to figure out how to attract kids and moms to use it so i you know in 2011 i was in a very different mindset than than now
1: our audience may not be familiar with the name of your company but i find it kind of ironic considering the name tiktok right you had
0: a you had a digital platform called yeah. tiktok not to confuse with tiktok exactly. just to um make sure but yeah uh, I was so close
1: <laughs> You had launched TikTok very quickly, took it to a point where it got acquired by Barnes and Noble. And today you are the founder and CEO of Pepper Lane. And I'd love for you to share a little bit about what that business is and where do you feel it sort of sits in the world of the independent or self-employed market.
0: Yeah. So so for me, you know, the last decade, when I think about it, it's, it's the journey of what I call becoming who I am and what I want to do when, and looking on challenges that are the most, I would say, the most uncomfortable challenges to talk about. I went from Barnes & Noble to starting a lab at Babson College for women to start their own businesses because I wanted to see more female students starting businesses. So clearly I was on my way to Pepper Lane, but I was was still discovering what is the most, I think, one of the biggest problems that we have today in the US and in the global economy. And after that, I was fortunate um, after I built the lab at Babson College, I was fortunate to give the opportunity by venture capital as an entrepreneur in residence to think about the next big thing. And to me, it went back to identity. It went back to motherhood. It went back to where women today play in the workforce, Mm -hmm. what equality should look like. So Sharon, how did you start the Pepper Lane journey? For me, the first thing I went was to talk to women and specifically mothers, because I think there's something really interesting that we carry different identities and we don't talk about that in the workforce. Why would you talk about motherhood in the workforce? It's not relevant. Right. And yet, this is who I am. Right now, I'm sitting with you here. We're doing this interview. I'm praying that my daughter is glued to Zoom and doing her lesson. Mm-hmm. But it's it's in the back of my head, you know, I am, I'm here talking about my work, but it's part of me. Now, the reason I was so interested to talk about everything that really is relevant to us, because I looked on the workforce
1: mm-hmm.
0: and now more than ever, women and specifically mothers in, in, in a crisis mode. Absolutely. I mean, COVID, COVID really exposed that. And if you look on the Latest data, mothers were uh, tremendously affected by the pandemic. Yes. We have millions of mothers that were let go. Whether they chose to, to go and leave the workforce because they didn't have childcare, Right, they were just let go. Mm-hmm. So I, I think we are in not in recession. I think we are in she-session. So, so Pepper Lane was born a couple of years ago, before I knew what COVID will bring to us. But it was born with the idea to give an opportunity to women, and specifically mothers, to find alternatives to make an income based on their terms, and to design their jobs around motherhood and not the other way around. And, you know, people sometimes get confused and say, oh, what is it going to look like? But when I ask mothers, what do you want? What do you want as a woman? And the answer was, I want to be free to design my own job. I want to be free to dream and pursue my talents. I want to shut down work when I got to pick up my kids. So what I discovered is that there was hunger to a model, a business model that will give them complete freedom to design what a job should look like. But more than that, it's about money and power. Mm -hmm. And I think that today, still in our modern society, we leave a model that is very patriarchal. And the patriarchal model is that we go to work, we leave motherhood at home, we come back and then we're mothers. And I wanted to break all of these rules. I said to mothers, you know what? I'm gonna just acknowledge and put on the business card that you're a mom. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you're going to start a babysitting business or you're gonna start a cooking business you can be an accountant, you can be a marketer, you can be, you know, you can come out of the workforce. But what what we're doing in Pepper Lane is that we're teaching them how to launch small businesses and how to design that and provide them the tools, the flexibility, but most of all is we acknowledging and we are welcoming motherhood into the equation. As soon as we did that a couple of years ago, the level of creativity, the ideas of how to launch what kind of businesses, it was just unbelievable. And you know why? One reason. Because we gave them the permission to feel okay that they're also moms. So today in Pepper Lane, we have over 100 different types of businesses across the board, from creative to You know, people that do financial services to, as I said, marketers, to uh, chefs, to, you know, now in the pandemic, we see businesses that we never thought about. I mean, mothers are coming with the most creative ways to launch businesses over Zoom. So it could be, you know, taking care of the elderly community and keep them engaged. Uh, We have moms that started to be chefs and teach how to cook. We have moms that doing mindfulness for kids. We have moms that started music schools. We have moms that started language schools. We have moms that are now saving us and helping us to submit our taxes. You know, we have moms that are expert in social media. And you name it. It's unbelievable
1: very exciting and energizing to hear that you've unlocked this potential for women in the workforce and it's a mission that i wholly support and wholly agree with and i think it's a long time coming we've needed this you know for for longer than the solutions have been there how have you found the challenges for connecting these talented moms inside your network inside your community with employers have you have you hit hurdles? Have you been surprised? I would love to hear how that other side of the market, you you talk about the supply that women are bringing of incredible opportunity. What are you seeing in terms of who's buying that and how we can make that happen in an even bigger way? How can we grow this market?
0: That's such an important question. And I would say to you, I don't have the answer yet. You know, It's a progress. I would say to you that what I see right now is what I call consumer to consumer. I've noticed that by creating communities across the country, uh, women start to you know, buy from each other, right? So we see a lot of consumers str- um, buying services, but we all, we also start to see some corporations that are coming in and looking for resources, understanding that there's an unbelievable amount of talent. But 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 I think you're absolutely right. I think there's so much potential for specifically moms to offer their talent and services to corporations, absolutely. Where I see the difference in the model is that I think that the corporate world is still thinking about, I need to hire. right? And I think what Pepperlin is advocating is you don't need to hire, she can own her business. Mm-hmm. You can really work with women that own their own businesses, and still they will provide you the top of the service that you need. So there's, there's a little bit of, I think, education about employee relationship versus outsourcing and feel comfortable that there is a level of independence from the business owner.
1: Absolutely. We at MBO see this given that our business model is um, two-sided. We work with very, very large employers, such as the ones you described, that traditionally have looked at um, outcomes based on an employer-employee relationship. Many of them are starting to question that model and looking at more of a workforce transformation model where there are more outside talent flexible engagement models, and they look to companies like MBO to help them manage the connection between their um, business needs and flexible talent, self-employed business owners, such as the ones you described inside your community, and really helping them to succeed by creating a standardized process for them to safely and compliantly engage with those companies, the right insurance, the right business process, how to get paid, all the stuff that is very, very hard for a solopreneur to navigate on their own. So so what we've seen is by bringing forth communities of talent, that becomes an exciting conversation. We really exist to act as sort of that middleware, that ability to connect those small business owners, such as the ones you described with the enterprise. But we also have a side of our business that just deals with the talented self-employed owner, and it's a part that I have a lot of passion for, and it's very much the DNA of MBO as a business. And what we're seeing there, and we've been talking about this, been a very lively conversation on this podcast channel about that individual. I'm thinking back to a conversation with uh, the co-founder of TMV Ventures, Soraya Darabi, and we spent a lot of time talking about productizing and storefronting for the self-employed. You know, the self-employed being able to sort of set up shop. And then the other concept that we we dug into and I see real similarities between what she discussed and what you're seeing is happening in real time within your community, masterclassing. The idea that you take your content or your knowledge and then you offer it as a product, right? And you sort of started to talk about that with a mother a streaming during um, the COVID times, her content over Zoom and actually finding a C2C, a consumer-to-consumer audience of somebody else who wants access to that knowledge and for her to receive payment for her knowledge. And we see a huge growth trend for this type of storefront that offers knowledge of talented individuals to many kinds of buyers, whether it's to their own community, as such as you're describing, or to even larger companies. It'll be very interesting to see how Pepper Lane helps to educate moms, and maybe you're on that journey today, for how to better standardize and productize and deliver that type of value proposition in a scalable way. Is that something that you're exploring?
0: Oh, absolutely. So what we do... I you know, maybe I should explain a little bit. So so PepperLine has, of course, the community, you know, we are based on membership. But what we offer, we offer classes and online, we call it intensive journeys, where they come in and they work on the foundation of their business. And we teach them all the element that they need. So for example, if they need to launch their business and they wanna launch a store, what this is gonna look like. You know, how do you define the pricing? How do you navigate through the noise of social media? How do you set your revenue plan? So we give them all the basics. We do a lot of that content. We also have events where they come in and we have experts on topics. And then they have their daily meetings. We call it boosts, where one of the uh, leaders, professional facilitators that uh, really are surfaces by the community of, of women that are in business that people looking you know, towards to and say, wow, I want to be like her. And they run these meetings and you come in, you bring your challenge, you work on that. So we're really fostering everything that you're mentioning to help them to figure out how to commercialize their business, how to define what success is for them, right? It's a little bit different. I'm a serial entrepreneur, you know, I get judged by millions, but you know, small businesses not necessarily are interested in that. And I think there's a lot of judgment, again, in what I call the patriarchal model of what success should look like. And some, you know, some women would like to go up to a quarter of a million a year, and some of them will be okay with 50K a year. And We should not judge that. So I think on the corporate side, there's a long way to go. You know, in Pepper Lane, you know, we don't have resumes. We never look on resumes. Corporations still think in resumes. Show me the resumes, what you've done in the last 10 years. And what I love about Pepper Lane is we don't care. We don't care because if I'm going to ask you right now to name three skills that you have, you're going to come up with five. And what I'll teach you is how to monetize it right now. And that's the difference is that we give opportunity wherever she is right now to capitalize on her strengths. We're not looking for the gaps. That's where the corporation, that's what I call the patriarchal model is not there yet. You know, they're thinking in inside the box a little bit about, and rightfully so. I mean, they have skills that they need to feel. They don't care that these are mothers. That's what I care, right? So by caring we open up to much bigger market and much bigger creativity. And I think that the more we're going to see mothers feeling comfortable in their own skin and launching businesses, the more cooperation will come in and understand, oh, wow, you know, she's quite incredible. I'm not looking for the resume because I saw three other other companies that are chasing her. That's what we want to see. So,
1: so much of what you describe is consistent with, I think, something that has been in the DNA for MBO for more than two decades as sort of a champion of independent work in America. And, you know, the State of Independence study was our effort to put a framework around the self-employed market, which wasn't even being studied when MBO launched State of Independence 10 years ago. And what you're describing, it suddenly struck me, and I haven't thought about it this way until you spoke. It's... The same efforts for sort of what I call traditional talent management that have happened inside enterprises across the Mm -hmm. globe, you know, really for the last maybe 50 years, there's a group of companies engaging in that effort. And I'd put you in that category where it's training and enabling. It's essentially talent management of the micro business owner, the Mm self-employed professional. Right. And you've chosen to focus on the mom the small micro business that is a mom-owned business. And you rightly point out it is an enormous market and it's an untapped market because the pieces of how you train and develop yourself to be confident that you've kind of hit on were not formally being looked at by anybody, right? They were... People were figuring it out for themselves if they were entrepreneurial, sometimes succeeding, sometimes failing, and hitting roadblocks because nobody was looking at the sector as a whole in, in a strategic way. And I love that you're putting that challenge out into the market, and I love that you are uncovering what is essentially a hidden market. It's been there all along it was never formally organized, and therefore it could never be tapped. And the economic output of those connections could never really be looked at before. So I see great um, great optimism in terms of your journey. I also see for our audience the tools of, of how do you educate, how do you inspire, how do you do that in a scalable way? You know, what are self-service or content-based platforms that organize the right way can surface the right information for the right person at the right time? And then what's the tool set? What's sort of the app store for this world, right? So if you're at the center with a cohort. What is it that they need to reach out and touch and be able to get access to cost effectively to scale their businesses? Have you thought about that? What are the gaps you wish somebody would solve in the ecosystem so that you could turn around and offer that to your community?
0: So actually, you would be surprised, right? I mean, I had to retrain my brain to think differently. Because when you deal with micro-businesses, yes. when you say scalability, I don't know, are you talking about hundreds? Because for, for our audience, it could be maybe five or 10 customers at the time. Right. So, if she's, right. she's, so what are the tools that are out with, are there for micro-businesses that are affordable,
1: mm-hmm. that are really
0: supporting them? And you'll find that there's very little there. There's And if there there are, they're not really integrated, right? So pepperling has to create a lot of tools so for example, we have profiles, right? We don't even have a full website because we wanted them, first of all, to jump in. When you start a business, you don't want to start to spend money creating a website and designing that and work on that. And let's see if it even works. Let's see even if it's going to stick. And we teach them and say it's not about right. the website. Put the information and try. So we teach them how to test ideas, Right. What we're doing now is, yes, we are using Canva, but sometimes we just give them the templates. Because again, it's, too, it's an overkill for a micro business where she's trying to build her business. Again, we're talking about a sole entrepreneur that is trying to get off the ground. I just want to tell your audience, if you look on the numbers, let's don't get confused. There are right now 20 million moms, now more because of the pandemic, that are out of the workforce in the US. This is not a small market. And when you look about the potential, if you give them the infrastructure to create small businesses, that's what the U.S. economy is all about. Sharon, you speak with the voice of the venture capitalist, but you also
1: share some really uncomfortable truths about motherhood, women, and work. Let's talk about
0: those. My passion, of course, is to talk about the most unconventional issues that are not comfortable, and yes, I am I am being um, a little bit unconventional or provocative because I think these are the issues. I think motherhood is not welcomed in the workforce. There are companies that are very much flexible about that, but it's not a topic. It's not about, you know, because I'm a mom, what can I do better? That's not a question that people ask. However, if you ask our audience, you'll see that, oh, my God, so I can talk about all the things I know how to do. And suddenly I find, wait a minute, but you do project management. You're doing content management. You help them to translate that by giving them the permission to be who they are. So to me, the, the most exciting part is to talk about motherhood. It's talking about ageism. It's about not hiring um, women that are over 40. You see that in the workforce. I mean, nobody will tell you that. It's about diversity. I mean, it's all the questions that are not comfortable to answer. And what I love about Pepperlane is that we have mothers in their 20s and we have grandmothers in their 70s that launching businesses. The workforce as it today is not equipped to support that. Now, we are the largest population, as you know, in the U.S., and everybody feels very comfortable to talk to us as mothers when it comes to purchasing. When we need to purchase something, of course we're moms. But what about us as a supply force, what about us as force and power of this economy? My passion and goal is to give women power. And the only way to to give women power, and we went back because of the pandemic, we went back a decade now, the only way to give them the power is to teach them how to make money. However, based on their own terms, and that's the magic. You are
1: certainly preaching to the converted here. You know, As a, a mother who has launched multiple companies while being a mom, has designed my life over the years to be flexible, to incorporate motherhood into a picture of success, I really think that it's important for us to tell these stories about how to navigate this successfully to inspire others and being taken seriously in a professional context for the incredible work that you can do, but also being open about the who you are component of it. And I was always very open about that with board members, with investors, with people that were looking to become clients, even very large companies. I told that story that included the story of the different roles that I played but I will say it's tough for women to tell that story. And I appreciate that you have pointed out that it can be a real barrier to perceive success. We see in our community that when people can make the mental shift from an employee mindset to a business owner mindset, their perception of their life changes and they deal better with the challenges and issues of self-employment than they do with the challenges and issues of work. When you look at the data in State of Independence, it tracks, are independents satisfied? Do they intend to continue in independent work? And then what are their challenges? So what do we find? We find that there are significant challenges in independent work, challenges such as unpredictable income, simple things like access to healthcare that can become a huge barrier for a family. Despite that, we find that those that entered this type of work that is self-employment are typically wanting to continue, are happy and satisfied, and almost see it as okay that they're facing those challenges. Why? Because their primary goals are flexibility, control over my own career, and doing the work I want the way I want. Those are the three things that MBO's data has showed consistently for the past 10 I years. would
0: love to see another data point, which I'm sure it's not there yet, is I spent a lot of time with our members talking about that. I mean, women shy from money. They shy away from money. And we teach them, you have to charge for what you're worth, right? You have to charge for the products you just created. So I hope that one day your research would also show that independent model you know, or business owners are making more money. Yeah, we're seeing that. From an overall standpoint, it's
1: a pretty significant portion of the U.S. GDP right now. It is, in fact, a growing sector, and it's growing not just in domestic growth and self-employment receipts, but also there's some unique new trends where there's actually international growth, meaning cross-border growth. Because I think of a digital world, U.S.-based talent providing their services, and I think things like Zoom are accelerating this through professional services work. Around the world. So we're seeing that growth. And I think that there's a second data point, and it's not in our research, but it's a tool set something called a bill rate calculator. Very simple tool that allows you to evaluate how you should charge for your services based on a series of criteria, including market-based comparisons, your personal economic goals, and then understanding how to structure a bill rate that is profitable, which is actually somewhat, it's a combination of art and science. And people find it very insightful because it incorporates concepts they're not comfortable with, such as the ability to include your self-employment tax burden, because today you're, you know, you're penalized for being a self-employed worker and that you pay certain taxes at a higher rate than a traditional employee would when we set our bill rates, we forget that. So we set them based on a concept that somehow it should be like a salaried hourly rate. So maybe I take my salary or what I think is a salary and I do some simple math and then I come up with a number. That number actually could not be a profitable number for me because I failed to account for self-employment burdens. But then I also may have failed to account for things that I could write off, you know, ways that I can think like an owner about capturing my expenses. And that's something that MBU has spent many years really helping people to understand is how to structure your life so that you both are charging the right amount for your work in terms of professional services, a talented output of of your expertise, but then also ensuring you have the right structure to complete what you need, such as retirement savings or healthcare. And taxation, you know, these three big things that are the success or failure for independent work. Well, this has been such a great conversation, Sharon. But to finish this recording, I wanted to ask, you spoke about the structure, the patriarchy, the, the challenges that you throw out to society, and you throw out challenges to really companies and how they think, you throw out challenges to individuals and how they think about their own life. And, you have not yet talked about but i would love to ask you what is your challenge to policymakers what is your challenge to people who are thinking about the workforce and are not understanding where does a dollar go who does it support when you think about the administration and you think about this 20 million plus market and the critical things that have happened to this market in the last year that have really decimated women's ability to contribute what do you say to them that would be the change that they could make that would make a difference?
0: That's amazing. I usually don't get this question. So thank you for asking that. I would say number one is provide financial resources for women that wants to start. And I'm not talking about, again, I come from a VC background. We're not looking for raising capital. We're looking about, you know, give them small loans. I mean, I was trying to start to work with some local banks to give them some credit line without, you know, making them sign on their, you know, take a personal liability. I mean, it's very scary for someone that is trying to test an idea. And sometimes in certain communities, even if you give the $500, the first one, That's what will hold her from trying her big idea that could reach out and become a quarter of a million in the first year, right? So the financial resources today are so limited for micro-businesses. And if they are available, the level of bureaucracy is unbelievable. So there's no access for capital. Number two, I think you nailed it. Healthcare in this country is a mess. Having a basic, safe, guaranteed to someone that is trying to take a business off the ground that, you know, the healthcare or the support that she would need, which again, could be very basic, is available. What what are the plans that are available right now? Right now, the plans are the same as you have for uh, larger companies. And you get penalized if you're a small business. You get much less freedom to choose the right programs. You You cannot really afford giving any benefits to your employees, you know. I mentioned she starts a sole business, but she might want to hire two to three or four people, what this is going to look like. Right now, it's not affordable. It's absolutely not affordable. I can tell you what I'm paying uh, as as an employer and I'm a small business. Our community cannot afford that. The third thing I would say is access to education and tools, but in the most simple way. Again, there's level of complexity today. To find resources. So trying to work on these three, if policymakers would work on that, I think would be very important. And the last, the last thing I would say, and it does come from policymakers too. I think that today, what do we make? 30 cents on a dollar compared to a man? I think it does matter. It does matter whether she's a business owner or she's looking for a job. I think equality and equal payment is very important, and it doesn't exist in this country.
1: One of the powerful things about reframing the mom's market as a business owner market is that the data becomes a lot more transparent than it does in an employment context. And so when women can be recognized for their business receipts, and when those receipts can be compared to, for example, a business owned by a man or owned by somebody of a different group, then that tells us something, right? That puts some data in front of us that then becomes something that can give very significant direction to, from a coaching and counseling, how do you go ask for the dollar that you should be getting? From a parity standpoint, it's something that we could look at as a society, as a government and say, you know, this is something we're going to watch like we watch other areas of parity. And maybe that's something we're going to start to incentivize businesses to assure that there is equity in business receipts for very small firms. I think that's part of a journey, but I think the tools exist. When you talk about your other prescriptions, all of these, I think, are going to lead to what all of us want which is more people at work, more money circulating yep. in the economy, better outcomes, when you have happy, satisfied people yep. doing what they want to do, it creates a better society. And uh, I think we're all seeking a world in which our employment is not tied to our health care like a noose around our neck.
0: We're missing one more thing. I mentioned three. I have a fourth one. And by the way, this is not in particular order. Mm-hmm. Affordable childcare yes the reason why women left the workforce or were let go during the pandemic i think it's over two million women that were let go is because they could not afford childcare. we have to resolve that in this country when you don't have childcare, you cannot be creative you can work you cannot work for anyone and you definitely cannot start your own business it's impossible so that's why i said i think it's a she session because we went back in decades
1: and all of all of what you point out, healthcare, affordable childcare, better equity and pay, all of these concepts wow. are in fact concepts that while they serve a mother as a business owner, they serve families and societies. So I know you understand that. I think it's important for our audience to see that. When you focus on the problem, as, as you know, you're a, you're a startup owner, you're a business owner, you, you understand that you've chosen a target. And by serving that target, there's many, many benefits that go well beyond your core target, because your core target controls a household, your core target controls communities. These are the people driving the success or failure of right? the communities that they live in, because they have the time to invest in being a player in their communities. And I mean, their physical communities. In addition to the roles they play as part of a family, mothers and parents drive what happens to the next generation. With the number of mothers that in fact are not from dual income households or not from positions of privilege of a traditional model of motherhood, that becomes even more pressing. Yeah. Because it isn't necessarily a white picket fence situation, you know, yeah. for every mom. And and that's important for us to remember. Well, this has been a great conversation. I'm really looking forward to, to putting this episode out to our community. Thank you for taking the time. I wish you continued success with Pepper
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: That was Sharon Khan. Co founder and CEO of Pepperlane, the organization rewriting the rules of entrepreneurship with the joys and responsibilities of family life in mind. For more on MBO's insights on the future of work, visit MBOpartners.com or find another episode of State of Independence wherever you find your podcasts. Thank you so much for listening.